Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And it has been exactly a week since the first North London derby of the season, a 2-2 draw at the Emirates. Uh, Jason, now you've had a bit of time to calm down and get a bit of perspective. Uh, what do you think about that match? I'm still not particularly happy, to be honest. I think if we think a few years ago, that third goal, um, that Socrates goal would have been given. Um, it's another uh, it's another area that VAR has been uh, played Spurs advantage. Listen, mathematically, it was offside, sure, but uh, slightly gutting. I thought we'd, I thought we'd done it. We just we we did our classic Wenger Arsenal where we we didn't turn up till the other team uh, put our backs against the wall. Um, I think in the circumstances, a two-all result is great. I don't agree with a lot of these Arsenal fans who are who are seeing it as two points dropped rather than one point gained. Um, but at the same time, it would have been lovely to 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 put Spurs uh, where they belong, back lower in the table. But in the circumstances, we can still tell you to mind the gap. Um, we saw some very good performances, uh, notably from Gwen Dursey, who has been going from strength to strength. I still stick with what I've said about him. He needs that one year just playing every single week, every single minute. Um, but, you know, he, he is epitomising what I think the new Arsenal should be. And, that, and that's uh, that's hard working. Um, and, you know, it's not I don't think it's coincidence you're getting fighters like that, um, consistent fighters in our team. Um, which have coincided with a new new set of management uh, staff. So I, I'd say disappointed, but optimistic that we can use it as a catalyst to uh, to continue our plight up the league. How about you? What what are your thoughts? And uh, I know Spurs Spurs fans are kind of still gutted about not getting certain penalties as usual and uh, certain yellow cards, but um, nothing new there. I would say. Um, well, it's interesting, your your line there about being disappointed but slightly optimistic for the future is probably how I feel as well. Because obviously, before the game, we were coming off that disappointing defeat to Newcastle and there was all this talk about crisis at Tottenham, which I thought had really gotten over the top in the week in between the Newcastle and Arsenal game. And everybody had written us off and people thought we were going to go there and get absolutely thrashed and torn apart by this Arsenal front three of Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe. But... We came out, we went 2-0 up, and really we should have killed the game off there and then. We had chances to score a third or a fourth. Um, and I think actually the first maybe 44 minutes until we conceded that late goal to Lacazette, that first half was probably our best performance of the season so far. And I thought we showed that actually, no, we, you know, we're still here. We've still got quality. We're still a good team and there's still more to come from us, particularly with all the players still to come back from injury and the new signings to you know get integrated and all of that. But then obviously when you're 2-0 up and you don't go on to win the game, it's always disappointing to throw away a lead. But on the other hand, previous years, you know, last year we were 2-1 ahead at halftime at the Emirates. We lost 4-2. I remember being 2-0 up at the Emirates and losing 5-2. So in previous years with previous Spurs teams and Arsenal teams, Arsenal would have gone on and, and absolutely torn us apart in that second half and, and gone on and, and, and won the game. So the fact that you didn't do that, um, you know, was a relief and gave me again a different sort of optimism and I think you know if we can build on that first half performance I think we showed that you know we've still got a bit of fight in us and that the things people were saying about us in the build-up to the game you know aren't exactly true 
And I think, you know, going away to City, getting a draw, going away to Arsenal, getting a draw when you're nowhere near your best, which I don't think anybody thinks you are at the moment. Um, those are positive signs. So even though we were definitely hanging on at the end, uh, you know, I'm relieved and happy at the fact that we didn't lose the game, but disappointed that we got ourselves in that position to start with, but also, you know, optimistic that once we, the new signings are bedded in and, you know, now that the transfer window's shut and we can kind of put all those rumours to bed, at least until January, that we can now kick on after the international break and start to similarly, you know, climb away up the table. It's, it's an interesting game. I feel like both sets of fans are kind of simultaneously disappointed but also relieved as well I suppose I think speaking objectively a draw was probably a fair result on the balance of play and it was interesting that Arsenal fans seemed to be the most disappointing disappointed even though you were the ones who came back from a a losing position and we seemed almost happier despite having lost a losing position it was quite an interesting game in that sense but I feel like both sides probably have something positive to take from it, but also that frustration that they could and should have won the game. It's interesting because that wouldn't be the first time Spurs have celebrated draws. I mean, I remember that 4-4 draw back in the day when we were youngsters and, uh, you know, the delight on your face, you and your father's face, it was, uh, it, well, was, it, was a, it was a sight to watch. I last, mean, last uh, Winners are always worthy of celebration. Well, last minute equalisers, rather. Felt like a win at the time. Always always lovely. But I just wonder whether, you know, the truth is you were 2-0 up, you were cruising, and you drew 2-2. Wouldn't you say this this, uh, adds as evidence to to suggest the notion that Spurs are bottlers? Well, I think that the real bottle job would have been if we'd gone on to lose the game. But, I I mean, I agree. And and one moment that I I look back to still and I'm so frustrated about is when Danny Rose had the ball, could have just cleared it, hoofed it up the pitch. Instead, for some bizarre reason, he tries to cut inside, loses the ball, and then we concede that goal to Lacazette. And I think if we go in at halftime 2-0 up, I think we probably do win that game. Because despite all the possession you had and this you know, front three that you're all going on about, other than that, that pass from Gundozi to Aubameyang, you know, we gifted you that first goal through messing about at the back. And other than that, for all the, the dominance you had, you, you didn't score anywhere near as many goals as, as you should have done. And it is frustrating that if we'd gone in at halftime 2-0, you know, and Danny Rose is a player who, you know, he, he puts a lot of effort in and fans love him. But, I, you know, I, I would have been perfectly happy if we'd sold him over the summer. And I think he does create a sense of confusion at the back and has become increasingly a defensive liability. And even going forward, he's nowhere near as good as he used to be. He's not like he's offering, you know, attacking returns to make up for that. And I think that moment, as well as that Harry Kane shot, which hit the post when it was still 2-1, obviously if that had gone in and we'd gone 3-1 up again, we wouldn't have have drawn the game, you know. So I am frustrated and I do think it, it points to a lack of game management. But at the same time, as I said, previous Spurs teams who really were bottlers would have gone on and lost that game quite comprehensively. So the fact that we hung in there and still had opportunities to win the game, even right at the end. I mean, Suzoko is a player who, you know, it's become a joke how bad he is at shooting, but there gets to a point now where once Undembele is fit and fully integrated, I don't expect Musa Suzoko to be starting anymore. You know, he did a job last season when we needed him to, but it's not good enough now, if we want to kick on to have a player who is getting in those shooting positions and is absolutely incapable of hitting the target, I think Ndembele and Winks 
need to be those starting midfielders with a Lo Celso or an Ericsson or an Ali. Um, so Suzoko and Rose in particular were performances that I looked at and thought they cost us in key moments. They could have been the difference between winning the game and not. And one substitution I'm surprised Pochettino didn't make, given all the space that Arsenal were giving us on the counter-attack, is Lucas Moura, who I think would have had a lot of joy running at the likes of Socrates and David Luiz, who, you know, that new signing certainly doesn't seem to have made your defence any more um, organised or solid at the back. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you, was coming off the back of losing 3-1 to Liverpool and then not beating Spurs at home, which is something you normally always do, no matter, no matter how bad or, or, or good we're doing. Are you worried that this is also same old Arsenal? You know, you can get these narrow wins against Burnley and Newcastle, but when you come up against the other top six sides, you still look all over the place at the back and you're still, you know, not the higher level that you want to be. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm going to build upon your uh, on that point in a moment, but also pick up on what you were saying about individual mistakes. Um, I think it was the last episode we did, or perhaps the one just before, that I told you Bernard Leno is a mistake away. And again and again and again, we have Arsenal players, goalkeepers in particular, who make these silly, silly, weak mistakes that a basic goalkeeper should not make. So again, for that Ericsson goal, it was only a matter of time he was going to gift them a goal. You know, it was the worst parry I've ever seen um, in my life, to be honest. It was very Almunia-esque. Um, and, and it kind of does build to that narrative that it is same old Arsenal. The, the, the mentality is still there of the of these players who haven't, who can't quite get it right, in defence especially. They've clearly not been working on it in coaching or it's not getting through to them. And that for me, still shows that there's a lot of a lot of um, of legacy going on at Arsenal still. But the truth is, I mean, Maitland-Niles didn't really play under Wenger right back. He didn't have the centre-backs. Kolasinac, OK, but they've kind of been chopping and changing with left-backs. So why is the system still bad? Um, especially when you bring in whatever you say about David Luiz, he's lost a yard of pace or two. He's not um, the most defensively robust defender, ironically. Um, he is still a Champions League winner and experienced, and he was good once upon a time. So, so I I don't understand why it's still going wrong for us. I think it's a a stability thing, but I also think it's a coaching thing, and it does go back to the narrative that I always um, talk about about the manager not being up to scratch, not having a clear vision of how his squad wants to play because. If it was like the Wenger days, he said, I'm just going to attack. I don't care about the defence. We'd be seeing free-flowing football, fantastic goals, skills galore. Instead, we're seeing some sort of chop and change, booting, hit and hope, counter-attack, which which seems more like a middle-of-the-league middle table team than a team fighting for top four slash trophies. Um, at, at the moment, I'm still... Um, confused about how we are going to line up every week. I'm not sure whether we're going to be 4-3-3 or 4-2-1-2 or 4-4-2 or 4-3-3. Or it's, it's all very confusing whether there's a lone striker. One week you think the strategy is he's starting with Aubameyang. Lacazette is just a nice to have. Then another week it's the opposite. How does Pepe fit into this team? Should he be playing behind the striker? Um, should he be uh, playing on the wing? Where does Mesut Ozil fit in, for example? Why have we got a almost half a million pound a week player sitting on the bench still? If, if he's not ready, 
you shouldn't be in the stadium. It, it for me, it, it the club again is lacking that transparency, the 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 marred that whole Wenger era, um, and it's it's unsettling again slightly the fact that the fans and the management I think there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of tension and a lack of transparency where the where the fans and the players I think the relationship is actually better I think we can connect them connect with them a little bit more but I think it's that it's that overarching strategy that I'm personally not bought into um I've always been a believer in build a strong base and defense and everything comes with it I think it's much harder to build a defense a defensive unit and get those specialized players in because I think a lot of players could do that attacking job well I think there are millions of finishers out there who might not have frills and might not be big names like Callum Wilson and um, uh, Glenn Murray. Um, and there are those skillful players who will do a job, the Zahars and the Richarlisons and the kind of the Madisons. Um, but you can't, you can't, well, you can, you can buy those defenders. You can buy the Van Dykes, the Maguires of the world, t- players who are going to, to kind of um, give you a, a, a guardian uh, to your goalkeeper. And you can go and sign a young goalkeeper who actually um, can do a job in the top league. And unfortunately, that hasn't quite um, transpired. So to answer your question in a nutshell, yes, same old Arsenal for me, um, but more, less same old Arsenal from last year, more same old Arsenal under Wenger. So it's how do we get to that next stage? And that's something a uh, bit above my pay grade, I'm not going to lie. On the on the point about management, because obviously anybody listening to this podcast will know that you've been a long-term Unai Emery sceptic. And one question that I wanted to ask you was, for, for those people who watched the game on Sky Sports, Jose Mourinho was one of the pundits. And after the game, he spoke quite uh, you know interestingly about the different ways Arsenal could use uh, their new front three of Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe. And I was wondering, given his availability and given your uh, distrust of Unai Emery, would you as an Arsenal fan be happy if the club were to approach Jose Mourinho tomorrow or new manager tomorrow? I personally career the contract to him. I think we need a manager who wants to take us back to the top, who has that ambition because I don't think that's Unai's ambition. I think he's still looking at making us stable um, I also think we need someone who's a serial winner, um, who wins trophies, unlike Spurs. Um, and you know, the man's a genius. Whatever you say, he's had a couple. He's had one bad move, really. The rest of them have been successful. Um, even again, even with United, he, he had a couple of uh, couple of strong results and, and, and trophies as well. So, I a lot of fans don't like him. I've, you know. I've been part of those, those boos and those those chants once upon a time. But at the end of the day, his track record speaks for itself. He's got an energy and a ruthlessness about him that we haven't had for a long time. And probably we needed that revolution after Wenger. Unai has always been evolution. They're friends, you know, they have similar philosophies. And that for me is not good enough now. I know we might have gone down the United route, and we might still go down that route. But also you can take solace in going down the Liverpool route that, yes, you get it wrong, but then you you go and get the best manager 
strong manager with the personality who has a track record and you go back to the top. And Liverpool are a prime example of how you do it right. You know, they went and got their manager. They went and, um, and committed to a style of play. They went and filled the holes they needed filling. So like Arsenal, we knew for years and years and years and years that we needed a centre-back. In 2008, for example, we said, just buy a centre-back, you'll win the league. He didn't. Then we said, oh, we've lost a striker. We need to buy a centre-back and a striker. Oh, we bought the striker, but we still don't have the centre-back. Oh, we bought the centre-back, we still don't have the striker. Um, you know, you need a strong manager in there. And, and Jose Mourinho would not have let that happen, in my opinion. But also, I've heard the opposite rumour um, about him with Spurs, potentially. And I'm sure, you know, it must be quite appealing to actually um, think about winning trophy- a manager who's able to make you win trophies. Um, but obviously, I think an argument, I'm, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure what you, what you might um, throw back at us is the argument about style of play and whether would that fit with a Spurs style of play? Or what, what do you think Spurs fans want? Do you think they would rather have Pochettino's, um, you know, his... his uh, his unachievable vision or Mourinho's pragmatic uh, winning mentality? Well, it's, it's an interesting question. And I am perhaps um, an unpopular opinion, I would feel, amongst Spurs fans. But I feel very similarly to you about Jose Mourinho. Um, I do have some major doubts, one of which is, yeah, about playing style. The other is about his record in terms of bringing through youth and whether he would trust in, in younger players. And when you look at the development of, you know, Harry Kane and Deli Alley and Harry Winks and whether, you know, the next generation of those players would come through under Mourinho and whether he'd be happy operating under, you know, a rather restricted transfer budget that he would probably have at Spurs under Daniel Levy would all be, you know, concerns. But I agree that he is, you know, an incredibly successful experienced manager. His track record speaks for itself. And potentially, if we want to go to the next level as a club, post-Pochettino, whenever that may be, we probably do need a manager who has been there and done it, who has that ruthless streak and who maybe does what is necessary to win to really take us up to that next level and to really, you know, change the mentality around the club. You look at what he did at Chelsea, you know, everything that Chelsea have achieved since Mourinho is because of what he did there. And even at Man United, I agree, he was somewhat successful. When you look at what's happened to United since he left, I don't think you can really say they're any better off for not having had him. And I would actually be very excited about the prospect of Mourinho at Tottenham. And I think he could potentially be, as I said, just what we need to go to that next level. It's just a question of whether he still has the, I suppose, emotional intelligence to go with the tactical intelligence, whether he can really relate to modern day players. You know, you look at Chelsea, you fell out with Eden Hazard, you look at Man United, you fell out with Paul Pogba. And you think, well, if he can't get something out of players like Hazard and Pogba, then is he going to attract the next best thing to come and play for him? You know, if you had a choice between playing for him or Klopp or, or Pep Guardiola or even Pochettino, despite him having not won as many trophies as Mourinho, there's probably a lot of players who nowadays, there's a lot of managers they'd rather play for than Mourinho. You know, back in the day when we were first getting into football, he was the man you wanted to play for. But now younger managers have come through different styles of play. So there is that worry. But at the same time, you do feel like the next job he gets, he'll probably be a success at as well. So it's an interesting question. I feel it's a fascinating thing for the rest of the football world to see what his next job will be and how well he does. It's just whether a question of whether you want to be that club who's kind of the um, the guinea pig, as it were, I suppose, for the new Jose. But certainly um, I would not say no. And 
you could do a lot worse than Jose Mourinho if you're looking for a new manager, that's for sure. And this is uh, impeccable timing on the podcast, actually, because I was thinking about a little game that, that, that alludes exactly to what we've been speaking about, um, kind of talking about who our leader is. I think it's very timely at the moment, um, whilst we're not a political show, to be able to acknowledge that they're, you know, we're hearing words of elections, we're hearing words of deal or no deal. Um, so I have a tiny game. Uh, it's called Deal or No Deal. I like it. Simple as that. I'm not sure about the copyright copyright on that. We'll go <laughs> Deal or Daniel Deal or Danielson or No Danielson. Nah. Uh, I no. think I think it should be hashtag. We will come up with a name because at the moment it's it's not got a name. But yeah, anyway, game with no name too. Get, get game with no name, Mark two. Um, so first off, I'm going to ask you um, multiple choice questions. Um, so about who would you rather have in your team as a leader? Um, and then secondly, we go into actual player swaps. I will name Spurs players, um, and I will suggest an alternative, and you have to say um, instinctually very quickly which player you you would like so for example if i was to say um would you like ainsley mate niles or would you like juan foyth you have to say very quickly which one you had gut instinct not being biased juan foyth there you go i mean i I don't think that was the right answer but we'll uh we'll give you that one so without further ado um just to kick off and bridge what we were just talking about who would you rather have as your leader, Mauricio Pochettino or Jose Mourinho? Pochettino. Oh, I thought I was going to catch you out with that one. <laughs> Leno or Loris? Ooh, Loris. Kane or Salah? Kane. Son or Mane? Son. Winks or Madison? Winks if we've still got Ericsson, but if we don't still have Ericsson, then maybe Madison. Maguire or Alderweireld? <laughs> Maguire's got more years ahead of him now. Zoko Torreira. Three, two, one. Zoko. Puki or Le Celso? Ooh, Le Celso. Oh, Ndombele or Rodri? Ndombele. Rose or Bertrand? Ooh, Bertrand. Ali or Pepe? Ali. I still need to see more of Pepe. Alabama Yang or Lamella? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Lamella. All right, all right. That's that's enough for one day. You got you got eleven there. Can I uh, try the same on you? Yeah, you can. If you if you, I, I had a little a little advantage of having a little bit of prep time to figure out the. You know what? I was writing down. I was like, I can't think of any more Spurs players than ten. None of them. <laughs> none of them are that man- memorable, to be honest. Um, I might ask you some of the same. Leno or Lloris? Leno Reese, uh, Larice every day. Oh, interesting. Um, Maitland Niles or Kyle Walker Peters? Maitland Niles. Um, David Louise or Davinson Sanchez? Davinson Sanchez by a mile. Ooh. Um, Guindosi or Winks? Guindosi. Um, Son or Pepe? Oh, you know. <laughs> oh. I'm going Hung Min Son. I'm going out on a limb here. Pepe hasn't shown it to me yet, so until he can, Hung Min. I, w- I would say Kane or Aubameyang, but I feel like I know what you would say there, so I'm going to say Kane or Lacazette. It's Lacazette. I love Lacazette. You I do. 
Lacazette. I'd love Lacazette and Aubameyang. If you were to say Erzo, I'd be, uh, it would be Kane all the way. Oh, this is one that I think Sissoko or Xhaka. Sissoko, for sure. Anything but Xhaka, who I heard apparently is going on one month paternity leave in October. Oh. Didn't know they did that. And yeah, congratulations, Shaka, but didn't know they did that. There we go. Footballers uh, get their paternity leave as well. Might be fake news. Might be fake news. Might be fake news. Actually, on Xhaka, I want to congratulate him on his incredible ability to not get booked until the game's basically over. Fantastic. For fouls, it's quite um, impressive in a way. I mean, uh, he's been doing it since the start. He had a track record of it before. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't particularly like the fact that he is representing the club as club captain unofficially, um, and I think he'll be gone within the year. One other thing that we should probably mention is the draws for the Champions League and Europa League. Oh yeah, I have no idea who Arsenal got in their group. I don't really pay attention to the Europa League draw because, um, you know, I'm all about the Champions League. Oh, you Spurs fans. And uh, who did Arsenal get in the in the Champions League? Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I forgot you, you didn't qualify. Um, again. Um, but yeah, European draws. Spurs, Bayern Munich, Red Star Belgrade and Olympiakos. Second place coming up. Well, hopefully. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. I wanted us to get Bayern Munich because lucky enough to be a match-going Spurs fan these past few years in the Champions League. I've seen us play a lot of the giants of European football and Bayern is the one that we haven't played yet. You know, we've played Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, beat some of those teams. Um, so I wanted us to play Bayern, so I'm happy about that. Red Star Belgrade away will be difficult. They beat Liverpool last year in the group stage. Olympiacos as well, but hopefully is one we should be getting out of. Um and another run to the final, maybe, is on the cards. Um, Not a chance. <laughs> I'm afraid it's over. It was a fluke season. I'd be shocked if you even get um, if you even get through the group. I mean, sec- I reckon second, third is a big possibility, and I'm sure we'll see you in the Europa League at some point soon. I mean, you know, I think I think Spurs fans have been quite deluded, um, being all excited about Bayern Munich. I think you need to think. Uh, you think logically about these things that you know you want if you want to if you want to get through you need you need to go win and win in the easiest manner to, to get through to the next round i think um i think spurs will have a shock when they go to the alliance well you know we, we were in a group with uh, barcelona and milan last year real madrid and dortmund the year before that so i think we actually thrive on a, a difficult group so i'd actually in a way be more worried if it was an easier group because when we had a supposedly easy group in the champions league when we first got into under Pochettino, we went out. So I think, uh, you know, bring it on. Bring it on. And then I think Arsenal actually have a tougher group than everyone makes out. I mean, someone like Frankfurt, who, who did well um, to get to the semi-finals last year in the Europa League, they're not going to be easy, especially the away game. Um, but but we can live in hope that we can get a result there at least. Um, Stand Liège used to be a decent club. Kind of, kind of them and Vittoria, they, they're all these... They're kind of unknown quantities at the moment. We're not quite there. Kind of teams that have been in the Champions League in the past, not quite sure um, how we're going to fare. Don't know what team we're going to play. Um, if Una has anything to say about it, I'm sure it's going to be half a team we don't know um, in a formation that's never been existing before. Um, so, so who knows? I think, again, I'd, I would rather... I've always said I'd rather win the Europa League than come fourth then you get both the benefits of a trophy and uh, top four. I'm sure Spurs fans wouldn't understand that concept. Um, but 
I don't know this year if 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 it was if it was top four or a good run, I think I'd be happy to just go out straight away in the early stages and and go full on for the for the Premier League top four. One point about Vittoria on European transfer window deadline day, they signed Marcus Edwards from Tottenham Hotspur, uh, who is a, a youth prospect who at one point Pochettino said was a mini Messi, um, but due to um, supposedly attitude problems didn't make it at Spurs, had a failed loan at Norwich, um, but did well at Excelsior in Holland, was lighting up the uh, the, the Eredivisie. Um, so, you know, potentially he could come back to uh, to haunt Arsenal and maybe give Spurs fans uh, something to cheer, even if it's not in a Spurs shirt. So watch out it, for uh, Marcus Edwards. It seems like a recurring thing with Spurs players and bad attitudes. I mean, I've heard it quite a lot uh, before. I have to say that's a, a big direct consequence of the management, kind of letting players get get on get on with what they want. You know, Danny Rose, I've, I've mentioned a few times, has been time and time again um, one of the main culprits of that. Um in, you know, actively hiring Adi Bayor at one point, you know, bad attitude. Ericsson, um, older Vireld, Batongan, uh, it sounds like now, you know, that there's a, the, the, a lot of these, Ali, there's a lot of recurring examples of Spurs players with, with the with the attitude not being quite on point um, as, as would be expected. Um, I don't know about all of that. I think some some players at certain points, but I think for the most part, Pochettino um, is pretty quick to either get rid of players with bad attitudes or make sure that they um, change their behaviour rather rather quickly. So I think, uh, you know, now the transfer window is closed as well. I think you'll see the whole team uh, pulling in the same direction and hopefully we can uh, go on a little bit of a run when we get back from the international break. Speaking of which, next weekend, we're at home to Crystal Palace, which I'm a bit worried about given what they did at Old Trafford. And I believe Arsenal are away to Watford. Is that correct? We are. Bad timing with them sacking uh, Javier Garcia and bringing in uh, their new, well, new old manager, Kiko Flores, who was, uh, you know, seemed to have a bit of flair last time he was around. Popular man. Don't quite know what happened at that point. Um, worst time to face them. Probably if I was going to go for prediction, which, which we will go into in a moment, um, I, w- I would say we're not going to get a full result out of that. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on the Tottenham Hotspur game? I'm a bit worried because Palace have a very good away record and we all saw what they did at Old Trafford. They won at the Etihad last year as well. Um, I read some stat that I may get the stadiums wrong here, but that they were the last away team to win at Old Trafford, the Etihad. And I want to say the Emirates or maybe it was Anfield. Um, Might be right on that. But so, you know, they're very good away from home. Obviously, they've got dangerous players, Zaha, Townsend, ex-Tottenham. It always tends to be quite a tight game when we play Palace. When we do win, it always tends to be by one goal. So if we do win, I think it will probably be a 1-0. A, a um, I don't see us you know, thrashing them or anything like that. So, yeah, I think it will also be a tricky game. And it's funny, your predictions have been pretty spot on so far. I mean, I did a little uh, consolidation of all our predictions so far. On week one... Um, you got the right result and the right first goal scorer, which meant it was 4-1 to you. Um, in week two, when you played Newcastle, you got zero points because you said you'd beat Newcastle 2-0 and Harry Kane would score. If I'm correct, that was not the case. Um, I also said that Liverpool uh, would draw with Arsenal with Ceballos scoring a goal. Um, also, I was wrong. 
However, last week, um, you actually got a point, funny enough. You did say it would be a nil-nil draw, albeit with a Pepe red card in the first minute. Um, Spurs having a VAR penalty disallowed. Um, and Emery quitting after the game. I'm slightly gutted about the last part not happening. <laughs> or as I said, Arsenal would win. I said Arsenal would win with Sabayo scoring again. Um, it was 2 all, so again, nil point for me. Um, so 5-1 to you. Not in the Carling Cup this time. <laughs> that, that's a whole episode in itself. That needs a that needs a reflection. A little. Uh, well, I wish we had fans own that. You probably could have uh, probably could have thrown that in my face once in a while. So, would you be saying you're going to stick with one nil for this week? I'll I'll stick with that to be optimistic. With a goal scorer, Shungman uh, Son. Wow. Okay. Welcome back, Hungman. I would say I'm going to go one all with Pepe scoring, finally getting off the mark. But uh, I just have this feeling, new manager, they're going to get a result. Um, international break, we'll just sluggish afterwards. Um, and I'm not as optimistic as I, well, am I ever optimistic with Arsenal? But I just feel a little bit uncertain about where we're going to land after that result against Spurs. We will find out. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on it. I'm surprised you started singing that song. Well, apparently on Wednesday, we're going to play Vittorio on Wednesday because of a clash in the Europa League with Portuguese <laughs> teams. So we can start singing it again. Great. Yeah. Uh, it's the only way Arsenal will ever play on a Wednesday night is rescheduled Europa League game. I'll be opening, uh, I'll be opening a show up soon with that. <laughs> My special one. <laughs> 